0: Turn with me please to Matthew 7. Let's continue today on the series we we're calling Mercy over Judgment. In Matthew 7 are some of our main texts that we have looked at repeatedly. Verse 1, Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged. Most everybody, even non-Christians, would agree, you shouldn't judge. But why specifically did Jesus tell us, don't judge? It's for our own benefit. It's not just for the person we're not judging. One of the most significant things about not judging is that we don't get judged Let me say this another way. Just because you judge me. Doesn't mean I will be judged. (laughs) Do you see that? You're not my judge. You might think you are. But you're not. And if you judge me. As guilty. And deserving of punishment. That doesn't make me guilty. Nor deserving of punishment. But if I judge you, I just made myself guilty. And me judging you will cause me to be judged. You judging me won't cause me to be judged. Me judging you will cause me to be judged. Judge not that you be not judged. Keep going. For with what measure you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Like we had said previously, God is absolutely fair. And this is fair. Ever how you've judged others is how you'll be judged. That's fair. If you say, I don't like it, well, quit doing it. (laughs) Right? I don't like it this way. Well, change it. Change how you're dealing with other people and how you're dealt with will be changed. This is fair. Luke 6 had said it like this. Verse 37. Luke six thirty-seven says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Matthew, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6 and verse uh, 12, you know, in what we call the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors. And in verse 14 he said. For if we forgive men their trespasses. Your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses. Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Is this true? If we won't forgive each other. He doesn't forgive us. Is this true? Is it serious not to be forgiven? Oh, it's as serious as it gets. And you'll see this again in other passages. But 1 Corinthians 11 talks about the, the other side of this, how we can avoid being judged. 1 Corinthians 11:31 says, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. The judgment of the believer involves mercy still. you know if you had to choose between getting judged for something now in this life or being judged later after this life, let me give you a hint. <laughs> pick now pick now <laughs> even if it costs you some things here and now, it's not to be compared with later later on, you want to be. Just seen in Christ, washed in the blood, deserving of no punishment. And so that's what he's talking about. Now, with that in mind, and without doing a review of everything that we've already looked at, go to Galatians 6. Galatians 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. Now that word fault is King James. It's the exact same word that's translated trespass. In the verses we just read. Ones we just read that said if you forgive men their trespasses. It's the word for trespass or we'd probably say sin. Man be overtaken in a trespass or a sin. Ye which are spiritual. A lot of light here is everybody spiritual yes. apparently not how can you tell the spiritual ones ye which are spiritual do what restore such a one in the spirit of meekness considering yourself lest you also be tempted now a lot of people who in their own mind imagine that they are so spiritual are some of the most judgmental about what other folks doing is wrong And sin. But that shows that they in fact. Are not spiritual. They're carnal. I didn't say they weren't saved. When we say spiritual. We're talking about growing up. And developing spiritually. If you really are spiritual. You can't grow up and develop spiritually. Without developing in love. Two go hand in hand. And if you really are spiritual. What will happen? You won't be a judger. You will be a restorer. (laughs) Restore such an one. And you won't be high and haughty. You'll be meek. And uh, instead of saying meekness, some translations say gentleness. Instead of being hard and harsh, you'll be gentle and kind. You show me a spiritual man or woman, I'll show you a kind man or woman. That's being like Jesus, isn't it? Amen. Jesus said, come, learn of me. I'm meek and lowly of heart. If you're going to be spiritual, you're going to be like Jesus. You don't get any more spiritual than Jesus. Amen. True? Right. And yet some folks, they think they're spiritual, but they're hard. And they're harsh. And they're judgmental. We've all made mistakes, but let's learn. And even if you've been one of the biggest spiritual babies around. You can grow up. Amen. I said you can grow up. Amen. Let's grow up. How can you tell spiritual people? Humble? They want to restore people? Is that right? Amen. He said considering yourself. This is just part of being honest. Humility. He said meekness, humility and honesty are inseparable inseparable you can't be humble without being honest and one of the biggest attributes of pride is dishonesty pride is dishonest obadiah 3 says the pride of your heart has deceived you pride is the nature of the devil himself who is the father of lying pride is a liar one of the big reasons why people tell lies is pride But humility is honest. It is what it is. Where do you live? In this little cracker box right here. How much money you got? Well, I got 25 in the bank and got this five right here. It is what it is. Not trying to put forth some facade or, or trying to impress people and leave an impression that's not real. Humility is living in reality. Honesty. He went on to say, uh, verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Say that out loud. Fulfill Fulfill the law law of Christ. Christ. The law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? He just told us in the first part of the verse. What is the law of Christ? Christ. Bearing one another's or another's burden. What did the Christ do for us? He bore. See, the verse 1 started off by talking about if somebody overtaken in a trespass or a sin. Christ bore our burden of sin and the resulting judgment from those faults, those mistakes, those failures. And we are Christians, Christians, ones like the Christ, born of God. Are you? How many Christians do I have in here? Let me see. If you're not a Christian, what are you? (laughs) Somebody said lost, and that's correct. (laughs) Bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Verse 3. For if any man think himself to be something. Now you've got to keep this in context with the first two verses. What does that mean? Think himself to be something. Somebody that's superior to the person who's overtaken in a fault or a sin. Somebody that would never do that. Could never do that. That is superior and above that. And feels too holy and too righteous to condescend and look kindly on somebody who has failed terribly. If you think you're that, when you're not that, you deceive yourself. Amen. Keep reading. Let every man prove his own work, then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not another. Let me read the amplified of this, verse 1. Brethren, if any man's overtaken in a misconduct or a sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, Should set him right, restore, and reinstate him without any sense of superiority. Say that out loud without Without. any sense sense. of superiority. And with all gentleness. Gentle. That's not hard. You want an example of hard? Are you stupid? What is wrong with you? How many times have I told you this? That is being carnal. That is being unspiritual. That's acting like the Lord didn't tell you something a hundred (laughs) times. Acting superior. Like I would never do anything like that. I've never been that dumb. How could you, every time you ever said, how could you do that? You're being a hypocrite. You know exactly how they could do it. You've done something just like it. <laughs> Show me how you deal with it. Help me out. Somebody has done something stupid. For the 52nd time. <laughs> and they tell you. I did it again. What do you do? Well it depends on if you're spiritual or not. If you're spiritual. What do you do? You consider yourself and you acknowledge if you just do it silently to yourself I have missed it myself so many times and except for the grace of God I could be right where they are right now or worse off and what do you do even though you you, your flesh wants to flare up irritation anger impatience whatever the case may be grab all that choke it take a nail and nail it to the cross It'll squeal. It'll holler. It'll cry. That's all right. Let it die. Just let it die. Crucify the flesh and get a hold of yourself. And even if you start out, what, what is the um, what is the thing I can do for you to help you in this? Gentle. Somebody say gentle. 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 Well, that's not good. You know it's not good. It's wrong. But God loves you. And the blood of Christ cleanses from all sin. And seek to restore. How can we get somebody free from this? How can we help them? That's being spiritual. Without any sense of superiority and all gentleness. Keeping an attentive eye on yourself. Lest you should be tempted also. Which means you could be. Amen. Oh I could never. Then the Bible's not right. And you're right. Or either the Bible's right. And you're not right. Could you be tempted. To do what they did. Yes. Agree with the Bible. Yes. Verse 2. Bear. Bear one another's burdens and troublesome, moralful faults in this way fulfill and observe perfectly the law of Christ and complete what is lacking in your obedience to it, fulfilling the law of Christ. Now, uh, go with me please to John 13. Much of the modern world has reduced Christianity to one thing. Actually, go to 1 John, and then we'll go to go, go to little John, and then we'll go to Big John. Go to 1 John. I believe it's 1 John 2. Many have uh, reduced Christianity to one thing. And that one thing is Believing in the Christ. Believing in Jesus. But it is not that one thing. It is two main things. Now if you, you know, there'd be a lot of things that would be involved in it. But I'm talking about the two overriding main things. And that's what the scripture here says. Concerning keeping his commandment. Uh, 1 John 3 and 23. I know I'm moving a little bit slow and purposefully, but some really weighty truths here today. Are you with me right now? Have much of the church world reduced Christianity to one thing? Right? Are you a Christian? What does that mean? To many people it means you believe. But Being a true Christian is more than just believing. And you'll see it here. He mentions two main overriding things. This is his commandment. 1 John 3, 23. That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Well, that's what we just got through describing. But does he stop there? And what? What? And love one another as He gave us commandment. Jesus had said at other times, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? If He is your Lord, you observe His command. And the New Testament commandment is what? Love one another as I have loved you. If we fail to do that, we are not real Christians in the sense that he has defined it. What is a real Christian? He mentions two big things here, doesn't he? Not my idea. This is 1 John 3. Two big things. What? You believe. You believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. You believe Jesus is the virgin-born Son of God. You believe He was sent by the Father to be the sins and payment redemption of the whole world, of us all. And that He was raised from the dead. And and there is salvation in no other name except His name. You believe in that name? Then you're halfway to being a Christian. What's the other part? Love, love. And. Somebody say and. 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 Love one another. How? <laughs> Not just how you think. They ought to be loved. Amen. Not just your personal. Perception and conviction. About what love is. And how it ought to be. You love. One another, and this is talking about your fellow believer, your fellow Christian. Love one another as he gave us commandment. Now go back to John 13 now and let's look at the commandment. At the commandment. John thirteen and thirty-four. John thirteen thirty-four, Jesus said, A new suggestion. Huh? New recommendation. What? What is a commandment? Now, in some modern translations, you'll see numerous places where it'll say, try to do this or do your best to do this. This is bad translation, it's paraphrase, it's not translation. The Lord never told you ever to try anything. That would imply one of two things. Either he didn't know. If you could do it or not. Or maybe you could. Maybe you couldn't. You might not be able to do it. Does he know whether you could do it or not? Yes. Then he never tells you to try something. Or he never tells you to do your best. <laughs> he tells you. Do this. This is. The commandment. The New Testament commandment. This is so much of what it means to be a real Christian. Amen. This is fulfilling the law of Christ. Amen. What did Christ do? What is the law of Christ? Bear one another's burdens. That's the law of Christ. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Then he tells us. This is the new commandment I'm giving you. Commandment. He commanded us to do it. He commanded us to love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. This word as means, the NAS says, even as. The complete Jewish Bible says in the same way that I have loved you the complete English version says just as I loved you the commandment is for me to love you exactly like he has and does love me and only when I am believing in him and doing that am I representing him am I being a real Christian Are y'all with me, friends? Couldn't he have commanded us with a huge list of do's and don'ts? How to be holy. What's a sin, what's not a sin. He could have given us all kinds of things. The law was given in that regard. And the Bible says for the believer, if you're led of the spirit, you're not under the law. We got the author of the Bible inside us to help us to see what's right and wrong. And holy and not holy. Every day and every night. But what is the overriding commandment of the new covenant? What is the biggest thing of all? That if anything and everything Jesus could have told us and said to us, this is the one thing that he commanded us to do. Love each other. How? Just like. Even as. In the same way. He has loved us. (laughs) John 15 said it again. Verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13. Gives us insight into how he has loved us. If I'm going to love you the way he has loved me. I have to know how he has loved me. Elsewhere, How am I going to love you as He loves me? And I, I have to know how He loves me, how He has, how He does, how has He loved me? Let me back up. Does He love you? Yes. Does He? Are you sure? Yes. How has He loved you? How has He loved you? Who? Are you beginning to see why I said this is big? This is, is this big? Let me give you two, two big things. Stay right where you are there in John. Two big things, how he has loved us. Jeremiah 31.3, the Lord has appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. Originally, you did not choose him. He chose you. He loved you before you were born. He knew you before your mother's womb. And chose to love you before you did anything. Good or bad or indifferent. He loved He's not trying to love you. He has chosen to love you. With an everlasting love. Come on, somebody say it out loud. He loves me. He loves me. With, an love. With an everlasting love. Something he chose to do. Not based on your performance. He knew you before you were born. Knew who you'd be, what you'd do, and what you wouldn't do. And even while you were floundering around and messing up and had not responded to 35 altar calls and wouldn't go to church and wouldn't do anything else he already saw the end from the beginning and he knew that at one point you would say yes to him and you would love him hallelujah and he chose you before all that And has loved you with an everlasting love. That's how he loves you. Say it again. He loves me. He loves me. With an everlasting love. With an everlasting love. That's longer than the sun will shine. Right? Secondly, Isaiah 43, 4. He said, since you were precious in my sight, you've been honorable. That means valuable. I have loved you. Therefore, will I give men for you. And people, in other words, I'll give people for your life. What kind of love is this? It's an everlasting love. And it is a self sacrificial love he said I will appoint men in your stead the Young's literal says John 15 12 this is my commandment Jesus said that you do what love one another another. the word love and this is no accident God is love love And love is, real love, is so amazing, so vast, so powerful, so great, that the enemy has sought to distort it, to pervert it, to confuse people about it. And all kind of stuff is called love that's got nothing to do with love, and there's all this distortion. But we need to let God renew our mind. To who love is. And what love is. It is so holy. It is so pure. It is so powerful. It is so wonderful. There's nothing bigger and greater than love. Because God is love. Come on can you see this. I'm talking about real love. Not what people call love. Not the confusion of the world over love. That you love one another. How? As. And again, there are specific words in the Greek that deal with this, even as, just like, in the same way as I've loved you. Verse 13, greater love has no man than this. What is the greatest love there is? Nobody can have any greater love than this. What? That a man lay down his life For his friends. What kind of love has Jesus loved us with? An everlasting love. And what else? A self-sacrificial love. This is the law of Christ. And then what did he do? He turned around and commanded you. Is that right? And me to love other people. Just like he has loved us, which means I'm to love you with an everlasting love. And I am to love you with what? A self sacrificial love. And if you think, well, how can you do that? That's God loves like that. You're right. It was impossible for you to do it and me to do it until we were born again. I said, until we were born again, at which time Romans 5, 5 tells us that the love of God, his love has been shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody said out loud, His love, his is, love is, in me. is in me. I didn't give it to myself. It to my he, gave it to he gave it to he me. It me. He put it in when me, he made me his child. when He made me His child. I'm His child. I'm born of Him, which means if I'm born of Him, I have His DNA. I have His nature. Well, what is He? He's love. What am I? I'm a love child of a love God. And as He is, so are we in this world. What are we in this world? Love. If I'm not love, if I'm not being love, I'm not being Him. I'm not being a Christian. Religion. Has developed all this stuff. Of what it means to be a Christian. And the enemy has so subtly. Led folks away. From the big thing. It means to be a Christian. In all these do's and don'ts. And this and that. and Experiences and positions of doctrine. And all comes right down to this. If you are a Christian, you are one like the Christ, born of him, hallelujah, Hallelujah. with his nature and the ability and the desire to love others just like, even as, in the same way, he has and does love me. That's Christianity. That's a real Christian. True Christian. Hallelujah. You believe it? This is my commandment that you love one another, John fifteen, twelve, as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. That is the kind of love God is, that's the way he's loved us. Self-sacrificial. This is completely contrary to the devil's nature. He is proud and completely self-centered and self-seeking. And he is not willing to sacrifice anything he wants For your benefit. But he is entirely glad to sacrifice you. Is that right? To get what I want. And this is what we call dog eat dog. Everybody trampling over everybody else, climbing over everybody else. This is the spirit of the ungodly world. And you and I are supposed to stand out as different in this selfishness. The scourge of humanity is selfishness and self-seeking. If everybody quit being selfish, all the wars would stop. All the injustices would cease. Immediately. It's all over selfishness. Willing to sacrifice you And what you have to get what I want. That's the devil. That's his nature. Used to be of that nature. But you've been born again. I said you've been born again. Now your flesh. Has not been born again. So it still has. This selfish nature. Which means every day of your life. You've got to grab it by the throat. Is that right? And say no you don't. We're not living like that. Right? Your mind has not been completely renewed to who you are and what you are in nature spiritually. So you got to completely get a hold of your flesh and get a hold of your head and go, no, no, no. If anybody needs to sacrifice here, it's going to be me. Or oh, did I lose somebody? If anybody is going to have to wait on something and let them go first, it's going to be me. Who will wait? I will. Who will give it up so they can have it now? I'll do it. Come on, can you see this? That's being a real Christian. Jesus is the greatest hero there has ever been or ever will be. Is he your hero? You better believe it. He what is a hero? I mean the theme of every great book, of every great movie that has a hero in it. What did the hero do? He was willing to put himself in danger or herself. Is that right? To expose themselves, to have it cost them, in some cases, their life. Why? To save the ones they cared about. We have... Military personnel that have done that for us. Is that right? On a natural plane. Should we honor that? Should we respect that? Yes, Yes, we should. Anybody that's willing to leave the comfort of their home and the fellowship of their family and go to places where they know people hate them and are trying to kill them and are injured and harmed or killed. Why? So you and I can have meetings like this. Come on, are you listening? In total freedom and prosperity here. They're heroes. Why? What makes them a hero? They were willing to sacrifice themselves and what they wanted and their comfort so we could be safe. That's a hero. That's Christ-like. That's the law of Christ. With that in mind, go with me. Notice this. Get ready to be expanded on the inside. Anybody ready to be enlarged on the inside and and increased and expanded? I want to see. Raise your hand if you're serious about this. Are you willing to to be enlarged and increased? How many want to be more of a Christian than you've ever been in your life? I mean real deal Christian. Not just a label of Christian on the outside but a real Christian. You're already that by nature. When you're born again. But this is letting that inner nature. Govern our life. 2 Samuel 22.36. Don't turn there. In fact why don't you go to Exodus 32. We'll be getting ready. You're going to Exodus 32. I'm reading you 2 Samuel 22.36. They'll put it up on the screen. Second Samuel 22.36. He said you have given me. The shield, shield is the protection of your salvation. And your gentleness has made me great. Say that out loud. Your gentleness gentleness. has made me great. great. How do truly spiritual people act? Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one. In a spirit of meekness, a lot of translations say gentleness for the same word. Considering yourself. What makes a person great? A lot of people have definitions for that, but a lot of them are not going to last past this lifetime. Would you like to know what makes you great in God? In his eyes. In Exodus 32... One of the greatest failures of God's people on record has occurred. And God is angry. He is wroth with them. He spoke to them. The living God came down on a mountain. And it was consumed with fire. And he spoke out of the fire in an audible voice. Never had happened before. To his people he had chosen. Anybody remember one of the first things he told them? One of the first things when he spoke out of the fire. You shall have no other gods before me. You don't make any graven images and bow down to them. He gave them the Ten Commandments. And the people were overwhelmed. Well, you can imagine. They heard this trumpet and they saw the mountain just billowing with fire and they heard the voice of the creator of the heavens and the earth speak out of the fire. It was so powerful. It was so overwhelming that after he had spoken the Ten Commandments, the elders came to Moses and said, please, please, please go please to him and just let him talk to you. If we hear this again, we think we will all die. God is not Mickey Mouse. (laughs) He's not this little frilly thing some people have an idea. He's bigger than the Pacific Ocean, He's stronger than the gravitational forces in the solar system. His power keeps all the stars burning throughout the universe. He's awesome beyond words. And they, all the people cried out, Yes, the Lord, He is God. Yes, He is God. We will serve Him. Yes, these 10 things you've just told, we will do them. Yes, 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 yes. And six weeks later, anybody remember the story? Yeah. Moses has not come back in about six weeks, month and a half, or less. And the people said, this Moses guy, we don't know what's become of him. And we need some gods to help us get back to Egypt. And they convinced Aaron. And they brought their jewelry. And they made them some gold calves. And uh, God is so angry with them. It hasn't been two months. He's so angry with them. He tells Mo, Moses up there in the glory with him. And he said, your people that you brought out of Egypt. He's not even claiming them anymore. <laughs> he, told me, he did. Moses, your people that you brought. They quickly left my commandments. What I told them and made them gods. He said, stand back, get out of the way. I'm going to consume them in a moment. And I'm going to take you and make of you a greater nation than them. See, he took Abraham alone and made all this nation. Could he do it again? Now, here's a lesson here. One it took me decades to see. Everything is not written in stone down here. God can do things more than one way. Even if it was his plan, his plan, to do something a certain way with you, that does not mean it has to happen. Now, a lot of people will argue with that, but I'm quoting scripture. What did the Lord tell him? Were these people his chosen people? Did he pick them? And what's he telling them? I will take you and make a greater nation. I'll do it with you instead of them. Now the plan of God is going to get done. But it remains to be seen whether you and me are going to be a part of it or not. Even though it was his plan for us to be a part. He can use somebody else and still get it done. I don't want any rocks crying out for me. I don't want anybody else in my place or doing my job or getting my reward. How about you? Mm -mm. And he said, stand back. I'm going to consume this whole bunch in a moment. They'll be gone. We'll be done with this. And I'll take you, Moses. And we'll start over. You know, so we said, well, it had taken centuries. What's that to God? It had taken about, what, 500 years? That's a half a day to God. That's a half a day. Is that right? I'll take you. And, you know, by midday tomorrow, we'll have another nation. <laughs> and quit fooling with these guys. And I want you to see what Moses did. Verse 30, Exodus 32:30. 30. It came to pass on the morrow that Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin. And now I'm going to go up to the Lord. Peradventure, I shall make atonement. For your sin. Verse 31. And Moses returned to the Lord. And he said. Oh this people have sinned a great sin. And have made them gods of gold. Yet now. If you will. Forgive their sin. And if not. Blot me. I pray thee. Out of your book. Which you have written. Say what? Do what? What's he saying? Is Moses a great man? Yeah. One of the greatest that's ever lived. You're going to look forward to meeting him. I said you're going, to really, you're going to like him when you get to know him. He's wonderful. He's a wonderful man. What made him great? You're seeing one of the clearest examples of his greatness right here what would greatness be? God likeness. God is great. Christ likeness. How has the Christ loved us? With an everlasting love and a love that what? He was willing to sacrifice himself, lay down his self, sacrifice himself. Is that what Moses is saying? Yeah centuries and centuries and centuries before the coming of Christ why he has spent time with God come on can you see this he has spent time in the presence of love and this has gotten in him and he said if you will forgive him and if you don't want to forgive him block me out of your book to. What's he doing? He's putting himself between them and God. Can you see this? Yes. The Bible said in Philemon, and if you will, won't you go over to uh, Romans 9 while I read these other scriptures to you? Romans 9. Philemon 17, you're going to Romans 9. Philemon 17, Paul said, the Spirit of God through Paul, he said to Philemon, if you count me a partner, receive him, this man that he's talking about, as myself. Verse 18, if he has wronged you or owes you ought anything, do what? Do what? Put that on my account. If he has wronged you, if he's taken anything from you, if he's done anything wrong to you, let me bear that and let him be free from it. Make me accountable for it and not him. Is this the law of Christ? Yes. He said, I, Paul, have written it with my own hand, which means it's a binding contract. I will repay it. At this moment, and there's some people have talked about that this man used to be this Philemon's slave, that he, of course, the price of him was gone when he ran away. Plus, he maybe took some things when he ran away. So I don't know. It could have been a substantial amount. And here is a written document with Paul's signature, which means what? This man's debt free now, and Paul owes it this is redemption in a sentence how be it I don't say to you I'm not going to bring up we're not going to talk about how you owe to me even your own self you wouldn't even be saved if I hadn't come and preached to you amen. we won't get into that <laughs> come on can you see? when you want to start talking about how, what somebody owes you don't forget what you owed him amen. Amen. right amen, amen. But can you see the spirit of Christ, the law of Christ? In Romans 9, verse 1, he had been talking about Israel and the first covenant. And he said here in chapter 9, verse 1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. He needs to preface this because what he's about to say is so strong. My conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. This is as strong as Paul can say it. First of all, he's not a liar to begin with. He's affirming to you, I'm telling you the truth. I am not lying before God. My conscience. What? Why is he saying all this? Verse 2. That I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ. For my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, and the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises. He's talking about Israel. Now, if all Israel are automatically saved, why would he feel like this? Are y'all with me? When you say, oh, said, well, the Bible said all Israel shall be saved. You've got to look at the whole thing. Yeah. First of all, you've got to answer the question, who is Israel? If you're talking about DNA from Abraham, you're talking about most of the Muslim world. If you're talking about those that practice the law, then you're back to salvation through works in the law. Yeah. Amen. Are you with me? He's taught, and he goes on to say in this very passage, they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. And just because they're the natural seed of Abraham doesn't make them Jews. Amen. Can you see all this? Yeah. So why is his heart troubled over his brethren? And he, he specifies, not just brethren, brethren after the flesh. And what does he say? Verse 3, look at it again. What a powerful statement. I could what? Wish Wish that what? Myself. Were accursed from Christ. Is he serious? That's why verse 1 says. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. My conscience bearing me witness before the Holy Spirit. No way Paul. You wouldn't do that. He said I would. If it would save the nation. I'd let myself be accursed. This is the law of Christ. Not only would he, he did. I said he did. Can you see this, saints? He did. He said, Young's literal, I myself would be anathema from the Christ for my brethren. I could wish myself accursed and cut off and banished from Christ for the sake of my brethren and instead of them. This is the love, friends, that's been shed abroad in our hearts. This is what's in us. If we will let it dominate us. And if that's really in us, the last thing we would do is judge somebody and want to see them judged and punished on the contrary what would we do we would take the judgment we would take their place to prevent them from being judged that's our heart that's in us we can't take their place and bear their sins don't need to Jesus has already done it is that right But that's still our nature and we can fulfill and fill up that which is lacking, the scripture said, and fulfill the law of Christ in our own life. Because there's a myriad of ways, isn't there? Throughout life that we can take the bullet for somebody. Is that right? That we can bear their burden, take the pressure off of them, help them to escape, avoid judgment. That's the love of God. That's the New Testament commandment. And that is the law of Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. Do you believe it, saints? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Won't you stand on your feet? Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's just lift our hands. And lift our hearts. Lift our voices. Close your eyes. Begin to praise the Lord. Begin to say it out loud. This love is in me. This same love is in me. Jesus made a statement. He's our example. We should want to make the same statement. One of the strongest responses we ever see out of the Master is It's when he was talking about to his disciples how he was going to be despised and rejected. He was going to be scourged. He was going to be crucified. And Peter took him aside and said, no, Lord, no, this shall not be. And the margin says in the Greek that he said, pity thyself. This shall not be to you. And Jesus wheeled around. And one of the strongest things we've ever seen him say Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. Why? The devil was trying to tempt him to be selfish and save himself and spare himself and think about, I don't deserve this, which he didn't. And when they came to get him, and he knew moments later, Is going to be the scourging and hours later the the crucifixion. He said, I won't talk with you much longer. The prince of this world is coming. And he has nothing in me. Oh, somebody say nothing in me. What does that mean? None of him is in me. None of his selfishness. None of his lying. None of his willing to walk over other people. And hurt people. To get what I want. None of it. Come on somebody say none of it. None of him. Is in me. He has nothing in me. The love of God. The everlasting love. The self sacrificial love. Is in me and fills my heart heart. Hallelujah. hallelujah paul said i will very gladly spend and be spent one translation says i will give everything i have and i'll give myself for you so you can be all right that's a christian i said that's a christian and not do it crying and feeling sorry for yourself for your sacrifice I will very gladly do it. Why? Because I know it won't be in vain and it won't be the end. God's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of me. And in the end, I'm going to lose nothing and gain everything. He that loses his life for my sake, what will he gain? He'll gain everything. He'll keep his soul and eternal glory in the kingdom to come. Close your eyes. Lift your hands again. Just begin to praise him out loud. Because of what he's made you. Your gentleness has made us great, oh God. Your kindness. Your compassion. Your love has made us heroes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 The devil has nothing in me. Come on, say he, he has nothing in me. Nothing. He has nothing in me. Nothing in me. Oh, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today, free of charge, by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.